And that's it. It's all over. So New South Wales claim another one-day title. They're 12. The first since 2016-17. Mitchell Stark finishes the game off with his second wicket. West Australia all out for 149. And the New South Wales Blues win by 102 runs. A very warm welcome to the penultimate edition of the Cricket Library Weekly for this season. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me as always, Robbie McKinlay. We're nearly at the finish line. G'day, Matty. G'day, listeners. We are two to go, eh? And, um, well, I think we've got one more match. The Sheffield Shield final. Um, everything else is pretty well done and dusted. And like we said last uh, week, we just um, everyone's done so well to get through the season. And a five-day Red Bull Sheffield Shield final to finish the season off. I like it, Matt Ellis. Oh, I love it, Robbie. A five-day final coming up. Uh, also on the episode... This edition, we're going to be looking at the 24-game winning streak of the Australian women's cricket team as well. But let's kick off, Robbie, with a New South Wales victory in the Marsh One Day Cup. They went through the season undefeated, posted a competitive score, and the bowlers ended up getting the job done for New South Wales to see Curtis Patterson lifting the trophy. And it was the youngster, Jack Edwards, with 108 the player of the match in the decider. What a game of cricket this one was. And New South Wales adding some more silverware to the trophy cabinet. Yes, Matty, I was just watching a bit of the game early days and I, was, I wasn't sure if we were going to have enough runs, but New South Wales did really well. I loved the innings of Daniel Hughes. He, he was very measured. He realised that he would probably have to get some stability there after a couple early wickets. Um his 58 was just as important as Jack Edwards' 108. Mitchie Marsh bowled really well, but really, I think where, where New South Wales won it, what a bowling performance. That was a very good Western Australian batting lineup. Bowled him out for 149. Sean Abbott, what a season he's had. Um, he's, if he's not the domestic cricketer of the year for mine, I don't know who is. Um, four wickets, Nate line pick three. Mitchie Stark got a couple. But um, I'll tell you one thing, Matty, you can guarantee... If you want to derail Western Australia, bring him to Sydney. They have not got a very good record in Sydney. So, but a great win, 102 run victory. That is, um, that's big. And well done to the New South Wales Blues. And it's great to see Curtis, as you said, lift that trophy. Yeah, I was I was very nervous going into this one. WA on paper, a very impressive lineup. They and they had that massive win in Perth in the lead up to the game as well to get themselves into the final. The likes of Berendorf, Green, Ashton Agar, Darcy Short, uh, the explosiveness of of Felipe and Whiteman up the top of the order as well. Josh Inglis has had a wonderful season. Ashton Turner, we haven't seen the best of him mm. uh, for a little while, but he's a class act and a genuine match winner. So uh, for New South Wales to get the result there at the Bankstown Oval, uh, very well done to them. Great maturity shown by Jack Edwards, the young man, making his way to 100 in the final. As you said, Daniel Hughes averages 58 in one-day domestic cricket. He got 58 in the big one. And New South Wales, do you think this gives them a little bit of momentum going into the Sheffield Shield final? Robbie, we'll talk about the Sheffield Shield final soon, but... Winning winning games of cricket and runs on the board in a 50-over game, does it give them a little bit of momentum? 
It does indeed. Um, I think that winning form is great form. And if you throw in, you know, the, 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 the calibre of players that are going to be, you know, that, particularly that bowling lineup that's going to head up to Queensland. But I, I think um, that Jack Edwards, just that's a real confidence booster to him and, and a very much needed one for that middle order of New South Wales. Um, you know, that's probably my only concern is in around that with New South Wales, just with the batting. Um, we, if Jeff Curtis Patterson could have a big final, um, you know, it'll make a big difference. But yeah, they just, because I, I think they were probably a little bit flat after the Queensland game down at North Dalton Park in Wollongong. Yeah. And then straight back into that one day final. Um, I think once you put a, a, a trophy in front of New South Wales, their ears and eyes seem <laughs> to prick up, don't they? And, and they got the job done. But yeah, well done. It, it was a, Almost the perfect season in, in, um, in the white ball 50 other games from New South Wales. Well done. Outstanding. Hard to fault. Yeah, well done to all the coaching staff and the players who got the job done for New South Wales once again. Well, Robbie, let's, let's hear a little grab from Josh Hazelwood speaking to the media this morning at the airport, we weren't at the airport, Robbie. We've got other other matters that we need to attend to. But uh, this is Josh Hazelwood speaking about that Sheffield Shield final uh, coming up. And then we'll talk about the Sheffield Shield final. So make sure you stay with us right here on the Cricket Library Weekly. I think it was good for, you know, the, the, the 11 from, from Sunday is quite similar to, to this week and there's probably only one or two changes. Um, so I think a few of the young guys will take a lot of confidence out of Sunday, um, playing in a sort of a, a big situation like that and, and getting the results. So I'll just hopefully take that into, into this week. And backing up what you were saying there, Robbie McKinlay, Josh Hazelwood, uh, suggesting a bit of momentum, hopefully, for New South Wales going into the Shield decider. A five-day decider, plenty of talent on show in both squads. Aren't there some big names? You have a look at Queensland, yeah. Kawaja, Burns, Labashane, Renshaw, Jimmy Pearson, Street, Bryce Street. For Queensland, my man, Bryce well, Street. Well, the five-day format will certainly suit him, uh, Matt, because he does like the bat time, and that's exactly what Queensland will be wanting out of Bryce Street. So this is a perfect scenario for him. Oh, absolutely, Robbie. I'm really looking forward to seeing him applying himself against the world-class New South Wales bowling attack. You've got Hazelwood, Stark, Lyon, Abbott, Copeland. It's... It is jam-packed, that New South Wales bowling lineup, And definitely, it's going to be an enticing contest. The strength of the New South Wales bowling up against the strength of the Queensland batting. And and then you throw in a Mitchell Swepson in the mix for Queensland with the ball. He has been irresistible in the lead-up to the final. He had that wonderful period back in November in, in the Shield games there. Then he had the the opportunity to play for Australia in the T20 internationals, but then he hasn't had a lot of cricket with the neck injury that he sustained uh, through the summer there as well. So the way he bowled at North Dalton Park in Wollongong, if there's any sort of assistance on this Allen Border field wicket, uh, a shield final in April, Robbie, uh, it's it's tantalising. Matt, I'm going to ask you a random question. If you were, if you had a lifeboat, and there was two people in the lifeboat, and only um, one 
uh, what we call you know, the protective the sleeve, the, the jacket you put on, a life jacket. Yeah. And you only had one to uh, allocate, and you had Mitch Swepson in the boat, and you had Bryce Street in the boat. Who would you give that life jacket to? Oh, that's a tough question, Robbie. Uh, a I terrible think... question, isn't it? Yeah, it is oh, a terrible oh, question. I, I think I would give You it... love them both. I, I love them both, but in the context of this game, I think Queensland's batting is their strength. So to take yeah. to take a street out of that batting lineup, it will hinder Queensland, but I feel like they need Mitchell Swepson more as he he's their key with the ball. He is their go-to main man yeah. with the ball. So if you take Street out, they've still got Kawaja, they've still got Burns, they've still got Labashane, they've still got Jimmy Pearson, they've still got Matty Renshaw. So I've uh, and throw yeah. Jack Wildermuth yeah. into the 12 as well. Hasn't yeah. he been uh, well, a he revelation this game. summer? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. So All right, well, so Bryce Street will swim to shore. Yeah, he'd be a great swimmer, I reckon, and yeah, I reckon I reckon he'd have he'd have a lot of endurance in the water. I reckon he, he could he could he could keep himself afloat long enough till the lifeboats yeah. came. <laughs> Very good. No, that's and just getting back onto what you said. There are ten players in in the respective squads with Test match experience, and another seven have played white ball cricket for Australia. So it's um, it's one of our strongest Sheffield Shield lineups we've seen from both sides for some time. It's quite rare, isn't it, Matt, these days to have um, so many available. In fact, if it wasn't for the IPL, we'd have them all available, which is quite unusual for the middle of May. Uh, April, sorry. Yeah, incredible. And it's incredible that Usman Kawaja's never won one. Couldn't believe that when and, you ran that by me. And Mitchell Stark has never played in one. Yeah, and Queensland, after going for so long without winning a Shield, they're trying to win their ninth. That's just gone so quick. It has, I still remember the first one they won. Yeah, ninety four, ninety five. Wasn't that? Yeah. Wasn't that incredible? Paul Jackson taking the final wicket in that game. And interestingly, um, sorry, just to diverge, Paul Jackson, yeah. the first player to win the Sheffield Shield for two different states. He yeah, was, he was too. Of course, won in 1990-91 with Victoria and then famously took the final wicket in that 94-95 final. Uh, great era for Queensland since then, hasn't it really been? Has, uh, under yep. the, the John Buchanan kind of regime up there, they dominated the Pure Milk Cup uh, for a number of years when it was under that name. And uh, no... Um, no draw available for Queensland. Well, the draw is still available as a result, but bonus points coming into play, Robbie. And let's have yeah. a listen to what Mitch Stark had to say about the bonus points in the final at the airport earlier today. Um, I think it's a really good thing. Um, I think it means that the game's sort of in play the whole time. I think we've seen in, in years gone by that the home team can, they don't have to win, so they they can play the way they want and, and not have to worry about pushing for a victory. So to have the bonus point system there, I think is a, a big carrot for us to, um, you know, we're, we're going to be in the game for the, for the five days, especially um, regardless of what Queensland want to, want to do with the game. Um, yeah, we haven't had, I guess, sat down so far as a group and, and discussed how we're going to take on the week. You know, we've got a couple of days up in Brisbane once we get there today to, to, to train and, and discuss all that. But um, it's exciting. I think it's a, it's a good thing for the Shield final and hopefully see some exciting cricket. That's right, Robbie. Hopefully we do see some exciting cricket. There's a really good 
explanation on the bonus points on cricket.com.au for those that are yes. interested. Basically, it's 0.01 bonus points for every run scored above 200 in the yep. first 100 overs of each innings. And in that same time, uh, a bonus point of 0.1 for each wicket taken within yep. those 100 overs as well. But if you want more details, cricket.com.au, they've got it outlined much better than we could uh, outline it on the podcast. And, Robbie, just a quick tip for you. What's what's your prediction for the final? Oh, look, I'm, I'm going to go a few South Wales, obviously. Um, I think we can get the job done um, late on day four. There you go. Okay. Yeah, because right. I just, I'm really, really like the look of our bowling lineup. I think... We've got enough firepower there to restrict that powerful Queensland batting lineup, um, and then I think a big role—the two left-handers at the top of high in the top of the order, Daniel Hughes and Curtis Patterson—they hold the key for New South Wales, I believe. Yeah, Curtis Patterson in that Shield game down in Wollongong didn't really get talked about because he. He wasn't at the crease long enough, but he's just gone past Warren Bardsley on the all-time New South Wales Sheffield Shield run scoring list. And I mentioned Warren Bardsley because he's from Nevertire, which is where the in, hell is that? Well, it's it's west of Burrabadine. Oh no! So yeah. uh, at sort of near Warren, it's in between in between Trangy and Ningen, Nevertire. Oh yeah, and, yep. yeah. Yep. Well, Warren Barsley, forty-one tests for Australia between nineteen oh nine and nineteen twenty-six. Well, Maddie, yeah. This is, I think you'll find this is. I reckon Warren Barsley was the first Australian or the first person in Test cricket to score a century in each innings. Well, there you go. I reckon we'd better now, check in with I, our statistician I, I, at the Central West. To our loyal listeners, that has just come to my head. I'm just having a stab at that. I, I, I just did something about. I remember reading a scorecard in the 1920s, and it was, it was Warren Bardsley. It sticks in my head for some reason. I can't. I can go down to the local old Jay, and my lovely wife asked me for three or four items to collect, and I can't remember <laughs> it. But I, yes, yeah, isn't it funny how the how the mind operates? Oh, it is very funny how the mind operates. I've probably got. Plenty of that sort of information in my head as well. But I tell you what, if you had a Warren Bardsley in your team, 4,171 runs for New South Wales at 60.44. Yes, good player. Lock him in, Eddie, Just so to speak. Just before Brad Vanera then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 50, well, 53 first-class tons as well, if you don't mind. Gee whiz. So, Was he, is he the only... Test cricketer comes from never tied. I reckon. I reckon you'd be pretty spot on there, Robbie. I can't. Okay. I can't yeah. think of any others. But if there's anyone listening, maybe our our statistician in the Orange Library uh, could give us any heads up on that. But I. Yeah, oh, here we go. Sorry, Matt. I have just done a quick Google, and <laughs> I'm, I'm, please trust me. Uh, in the fifth test at the Oval, London, Barnsley became the first Test cricketer to score a century, a hundred or more in both innings of a single test match. So there you go. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was um, in the – now, he played a lot earlier. Yeah, so a strong domestic – yeah. So he was a he was on the 1909 Australian squad to tour England. And that it was it happened in that match. So it happened in 1909. Yep. So the message there to hey. everyone is don't trust Robbie McKinlay with your groceries, but if you need to know no. anything about 1909, <laughs> give him a call. And you know what I love, really loved about Warren Barsley? 
What's that, mate? He was a left-hander. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yep. And he was cap number 94. But anyways, that's... um. That's, That's a good little old. good little segue there as we um, get ready to take a break on the Cricket Library Weekly. Uh, we're going to have a little listen to some players who have won Sheffield Shield finals before and what it has meant to them. And then we'll come back and talk about our record-breaking Aussie women. Yeah, it was that absolutely my, my favourite memory of my 16 years in first-class cricket. Um, may taking those buttons. I think the ball kept coming. I took two or three catches in that innings as well. They kept coming to me. And I, I just, I don't, I don't really, I didn't sleep very well. So I think I was, I might have been overnight, over, out, not out overnight. and Didn't sleep that great, but came out and everything hit the middle of the bat. And we were, we were in all sorts of trouble trying to get back into that game. But in the end, me and Wayne Phillips, on a really good partnership. I think I stole too many runs and he couldn't <laughs> quite get to his century. He was stuck on 96 or something like that. You know, he was cruising to 100 as well. But we got the runs and um, I think the great Southern stand was just being built. So the MCG was a, a mess, but the game was fantastic. It was a great come from behind win and uh, Victoria hadn't had one for a while. And, I, and we did it with a lot of my great friends. Yeah, it was a strange one because um, I was dropped from the team in, I think it was early January um, just through lack, lack of wickets. I think I had 12 wickets in uh, five games or 14 wickets in five games or something like that. So I was playing myself like second level down in Melbourne and I thought, you know, that was pretty much the year over for me. And then um, I got six wickets in the second level game and I missed the, I think it was the next short game and I played the one after that. And then, yeah, it all just turned around. I took 40 wickets in five games and three sevens in a row. And uh, then obviously I finished with that 7-41 in the Shield final. I remember, you know, walking off and one of the journos interviewed me and he said, you know, you're a fair chance of going to Ashes Tour. What are your thoughts? And I said, look, Michael Whitney missed out in 89 with 50 wickets, you know, and I've had a pretty ordinary year for the start. I haven't finished, you know, I've finished well, but I'm probably a little bit inconsistent being picked. And, I thought maybe I was still a chance, but I was sort of hedging my bets because I, you know, I wasn't renowned as you know a bowler. Only when he, but when he's off, he's really off. So I didn't know whether the selectors would take that into account or whether they purely just picking on the form that I finished on in the year. And luckily enough, they took me crack. And you know, I can sit back now and say I was lucky enough to go on the Ashes tour. Yeah, it just shows how much the Sheffield Shield means to all those players that have had the chance to lift the trophy, Robbie. And yeah, of course, yeah. plenty more to those stories as well. If you want to hear more of the Jamie Siddons story or the the Wayne Cracker Holsworth story, just jump into the back catalogue on the Cricket Library podcast feed, and you can have a listen to them there. And twenty four in a row, yeah. Robbie. They've done it. Oh. They, they just keep doing it. Yeah. It- and look, it was a, yeah, a, a rain. It looked like I was surprised the game went ahead uh, there at one stage, but um, they, it got, was reduced to twenty five overs. And then it was interesting what Australia did there, Matt. Um, they went reverted to their T Twenty format with their batting lineup. So yeah. Beth Mooney uh, was dragged from the middle order up into the open with um, Alyssa Healy, and of course that worked too because uh, Healy, man of the so player of the match, forty six or thirty nine. Beth Mooney twenty eight or twenty six, and then. 
that sort of set up. They did really well. I thought that was an excellent score, seven for 149. Um, the, the Your leg spinning uh, favourite from New Zealand, Lee Casper, took three wickets. And Leah Tahuhu got a couple there as well. But um, just, I, I thought a very good batting performance from the Aussies, set up again by our openers. Yeah, definitely, Robbie. A, a magnificent performance at the top of the order. Healy and Mooney really have been getting the job done over the years. And we might just talk about the the 24 games, Robbie, the most runs and the mm-hmm. most wickets in that period. AJ Healy sitting on top of the list in the in the 24-game streak, 1,287 runs for her. No surprise up near the top as well. Couldn't, unfortunately, add to her 949 runs in the final game of the series. But Rachel Haynes, what a competitor she has been and played in all of those wins as well. Uh, Meg, every single one. Yeah, every single one. Yeah. Meg Lanning. Oh, nine, Natty, sorry, yeah. a question about notice. Was there, was there anyone else? Did Meg Lanning play in all those as well? No, Meg Meg hasn't, uh, but yep. there's... There's four players who have. I wow. wonder if I wonder if we could guess who they are. I know. So would they be Hill? Yeah. Healy Haynes. Uh, Ash Gardner. Yes. And I'm going to go uh, Megan Shute. No. Oh, okay. Think opening opening batter. Okay, Beth Mooney. Beth Mooney. So Healy, Mooney, yeah. Gardner, and Haynes—the yep. only four to play. All of the um, all of the finals. So, uh, yeah. oh, not all of the finals. All of all oh, every match, every match in the streak. Yeah, that's in, quite incredible, Maddie. Because that's over. A, what is it? How, when did that first start again? Oh, there was some conjecture over how many, how many days. Oh, that's it right. Been. Yes, we did get feedback about that. Yeah. We? So, uh, yeah, a couple of years. Let's just say a couple of years. As uh, well, hang on. My fault. Which I should check with the statistician first. So. Forget about that. The statistician can inform us. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some feedback on that, no yeah. doubt. Uh, no doubt. But Meg, Meg Lanning, 926 runs. Perry, 694. Mooney, 604. Gardner, 369. And Nicole Bolton, 242 runs. They're the, the top, the top yep. seven run scorers in that period. And then with the wickets column, Jess Jonathan, no surprise there. She's on top with 43. Shoot, 37. Gardner, 27. Perry, 26, Wareham, 24, Carey, 15, and Molyneux, 12. Yeah. So, so Matt, do you think at when when and if it ever happens, the um, sequence is broken, mm. will they sort of, will they strike a, like, a frame and have every player listed who played in it? How many, you know, how many, maybe that's another job for the statistician. How many players have actually played in this 24-match winning streak? Yeah, I think so. I think that would be worth doing. I've, I've how many... Got, how many would it be, you reckon? What's oh, your guess? Would you double it, like say 22, 24? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon it could be close to that. I reckon we'll get our statistician onto that, and we'll find out, and we'll announce it exclusively next week on the show. All right. I think yep. we can do that. We can find that out for you, Robbie. Um, gee, it's going it's to be busy in Orange uh, this week. <laughs> yeah, well, it won't hurt him. Yeah, he can do that while he's watching the Sheffield Shield final, I'd, I'd say. That'll be a nice little job there. I might even ask Jack and Peter at the Burrabedeen Library yeah. if they've got any intel on that one as well. But um, no, School holidays, they finish this week, don't they? Yeah, so that could be... Well, they've got a bit of time left. Yeah, it could be a good little project there. But well done to the Australian women's cricket team. May the streak continue. 
Heather Mackay, we mentioned last week, 16 consecutive yep. British Open squash titles. Uh, that's pretty impressive. And, of course, uh, World Championship Wrestling's Bill Goldberg, his streak was ended with a with a taser gun. So let's hope let's hope oh. let's hope there's no taser gun involved uh, yeah. with our, our women's cricketers. But uh, Robbie, we're going to have a, a haiku poem, and then we'll come back to wrap things up on the Cricket Library Weekly. When it matters most, 108 for Jack Edwards. Perfect time for runs. Perfect time Excellent. for runs. I love it, Matt. And that is, sums it up superbly. He has. And just a reminder to everyone, we've got the Haiku Poem Challenge going on during the Sheffield Shield final. Get on the social media yep. networks and just tag Cricket Library, at Cricket Library on, on Twitter, and the hashtag Haiku Poem Challenge because Matt Fiction has the Haiku Poem Challenge going where we want some ball-by-ball commentary of the shield in haiku poem form. <laughs> and I think I'll start that. I think we'll start doing that on Thursday. Um, might give – this is very risky, but I might give Matt Fiction the login credentials for the Cricket Library oh. Uh, oh. Twitter account, and uh, we'll start a bit of a thread on there, and we'll get you to add your haiku poems to the thread. I reckon How about that- this one for a first line? Streets allows ball pass. <laughs> Street allows the ball to pass. You have to, yeah. I, and, go, and go from there. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Matt Fiction, that, there's a good start for you. Um, no, Fiction will fictional nail that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the Haiku Poem Challenge, of course, international... Haiku Poem Appreciation Day this Saturday, the 17th of April, uh, no doubt already on everyone's calendars and people will be celebrating that anyway. So why not tie it in with the five-day Sheffield Shield final? Five days of Haiku Poems. Um, Yeah, I I don't know what could be better. I was trying to think of anything that could be better (laughs) than that, but I'm stumped. Uh, Well, Robbie, we've got one episode to go. It's been a magnificent summer on the Cricket Library Weekly. I'll allow you to freshen up a bit, enjoy the Sheffield Shield final, and we'll go one more round. I look forward to it. And then in the off-season, we'll have the long-form interviews back, so we'll be catching up with some of your favourite domestic cricketers. We'll probably start that around June sometime, so we'll have a little bit of a a breather, and then the long-form interviews will be back uh, for the off-season. And, Robbie, this question without notice, will you be back again for the 21-22 summer on the CLW? It'll take more than math fiction to stop me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Looking, looking forward to it, mate. Ah, uh, excellent. Well, thanks very much for joining us. As always, my name is Matt Ellis. I've had Robbie McKinlay with me, and we'll catch up with you after the Sheffield Shield final. Bye for now. <laughs>